welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on sales and marketing alignment. In it, you'll discover how to understand and develop relationships with your buyers and how you can use your sales playbook to encourage cross-functional collaboration. For more information, you can check out the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 284. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really excited about our guest today. This is a, a kind of fun and interesting episode. We're turning the tables a bit. Um, she is the account she's an account director at Edelman, which is a global public relations and marketing firm. And she's worked with major CPG brands, including Unilever, Samsung, Campbell's, and eBay. So she knows those big brands that um, that we all are familiar with, and has a lot of experience with their firms in marketing and public relations. Full disclosure, because we're all about transparency, she is the daughter of our founder and CEO, Charles Bernard. That is not actually why she's on the show, but it is how we found her. And she is based across the river from me in lovely, lovely Brooklyn, New York. We are so glad to have you here, Sophia Bernard. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Excited to be chatting with you. I am really looking forward to this. Um, I mentioned that it's kind of turning the tables a little because all the way back when I first started at Criteria for Success in 2008, I remember you interviewed me for a project that you did. And so it's kind of funny, you know, 12 and a half years later that I'm interviewing you. <laughs> That's it's crazy. Tables are turning indeed. <laughs> indeed. Well, I just shared the high le- highlights of your bio, kind of the high level um, items, but I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk about where you develop the passion for what you do and some of the key stops on the journey to where you are today. Absolutely. So yeah, just to add a little bit of color uh, to what I have going on at the moment. So I'm still living in Brooklyn right now after growing up uh, here in New York City. So I'm happy to not have strayed too far from home. And thankfully, I'm able to uh, continue working from home right now, while the last few months have been incredibly difficult for, you know, the entire world for many reasons. So um, I am, yeah, at Edelman for the past uh, two and a half years now. I got my start in a whole other range of communications related industries. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I've now checked off uh, most of the boxes except for PR. So I'm sort of working my way um, through this last piece of the marketing uh, comms puzzle. Um, I actually went to Syracuse University for college. So still staying in New York State. Clearly, I haven't drifted too far (laughs) from where I grew up. But uh, there I studied at the communications school. Um, I actually studied television, film and radio. That was my major, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. It all started with my passion for watching movies and TV, which is uh, of no surprise to those who know me well, um, including my dad. And I remember watching tons of movies with him growing up. So I think deep down that kind of rooted as just an internalized passion that, uh, I couldn't really figure out what else to study in school. So I sort of just followed my interests. Um, But when I did get to uh, Syracuse and Newhouse is a school that I studied at in particular, they had advertising programs, uh, journalism, radio uh, in a more kind of Mm -hmm. refined sense, um, an entire PR track, all different sorts of uh, comms and marketing pieces that I uh, wasn't as familiar with. And I remember at the start actually being pretty torn between uh, going down the TV track or advertising. Um, Mm -hmm. That's partially because in high school, I was part of a organization called TORCH, which stands for Together Our Resources Can Help. 
which is a mm-hmm. you know very uh, clever acronym. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gotta love acronyms. And, <laughs> and um, at Torch, we worked with um, other high schools in the city um, to create uh, these socially aware type of advertising campaigns. Um, since the founders were, they had grown up kind of in marketing and comms themselves, and they wanted to give back to the youth in their city. And so they brought mm-hmm. together high school students from all over. Um, and they let us really generate our own projects and come up with our own activism ideas. And so we put together um, a couple of different programs over the um, three or so years that I was a participant. One of them was actually a documentary on autism, which I found to be extremely interesting and rewarding um, getting to work with even younger kids um, all over Mm -hmm. the city. And what we did was we kind of created this um, PSA type of campaign together. So we got to understand, you know, what it meant to put a uh, pitch together and what it was like to come up with a campaign name and an idea and the different channels in which to activate all of that very mini intro to like 360 uh, comms marketing that I've become um, much more versed in today. So between that experience and finding myself at a school that specialized in all different sorts of comms, um, like I said, I did continue to go down the TV route, but I always had my eye on um, advertising, marketing, things of that nature, which even now I'm realizing that was a little bit of PR even back in the day um, in terms of what I was learning. So I think I was uh, predisposed (laughs) to do what I'm doing now. Um, And I found my way to Edelman in particular um, from first working at a talent agency right after, right as I graduated school. Um, I was at William Mm -hmm. Morris Endeavor for just over a year. From there, I switched into advertising proper. I started at a digital agency called Roken. And then from there, Mm -hmm. I went to Droga 5. And after Droga 5, I'm at Edelman now. So ticking those boxes. (laughs) Definitely. I love that. And it's something that I find um, with so many of the people that I talk to, where in hindsight, you can see threads kind of coming through even from childhood experiences that maybe you didn't recognize at the time. And I love that, um, that example of where you went to college and you found yourself in in the school uh, of communication, thinking that you were there really to learn just about television and film. Mm-hmm. But because of what was around you and the other things that you, you were learning, you kind of got pulled into that other universe. And um, I would imagine that being the daughter of somebody who is, um, you know, an expert in sales and does sales training and sales consulting probably gave you a sense of selling that maybe um, made the advertising piece kind of appealing to you because it's it's related, but it's different. Absolutely. I think um, that's a very fair assessment of kind of how, <laughs> how it felt to be in that situation. And, you know, at the time when I uh, was growing up with my dad and, and knowing what uh, he specializes in, I'm sure it didn't occur to me that any of his very sage advice at the time had fallen on any kind of <laughs> ears that were paying know? attention. <laughs> but, um, but yes, when I look back on it, you know, I think he really did help me with um, understanding the power of negotiation and uh, even more than that persuasion, Um, Mm -hmm. but using other people and getting to know them and their emotional state and where they're coming from, all of that as being um, factors to consider when approaching um, any kind of conversation where you're essentially trying to get someone to do uh, what you want them to, whether that's take a certain action, watch a video, read a piece, whatever that may be. It should always be compelling from like a human interest 
standpoint is something that I personally um, have found to be true. And I know that that's something my dad has for sure uh, instilled in me. Um, I know he talks a lot about philosophy and mechanics. Uh, and to those who are mm-hmm. familiar with the CFS world, I'm sure they uh, uh, know very well um, what those two uh, you know, schools of thought encompass. But I'd say I'm more... Um, a student of philosophy within that Mm -hmm. larger um, sphere. And what I mean by that is it's uh, for me a lot about having a strong sense of integrity, confidence, um, putting people first in everything that I do and understanding the why behind um, any, anything when it comes to communications and marketing, because at the end of the day, it's people talking to people. Um, Mm -hmm. I always found that to be really interesting, whether it was fictional storytelling or even documentaries in the sense of, uh, you know, TV and film that I was originally interested in. Or if you're trying to tell them about, uh, you know, a new product or a new service or something that could actually Mm -hmm. help them in their lives, it really, it draws on the same source and the same skill set. So I think that that was always really helpful to have my dad kind of reinforce um, as I grew. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, I talk to on the show uh, a lot of people who are experts in sales. And a lot of times it's because um, they've had a very successful sales career in the past, whether they're still actively selling or not. And the number of them who tell me that they had a parent who was a salesperson is uh, (laughs) quite high. And so I do think that, you know, we learn through osmosis, even when we don't recognize that we're doing it. Um, And so to have somebody who who really has that, you know, like you said, that that philosophical kind of mindset around connecting to buyers and on understanding what it is people need and effectively communicating with them. I love that you just took a, a different spin on that. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I'm really excited to have you on to talk about is because there are always changes that are happening, right, in the marketing and the PR world. And you have stayed on top of some of the cutting edge companies in that space as you've, um, you know, grown through your career. And one thing that we're seeing is a bigger um, part of uh, a marketing presence and persona and um, just a marketing plan is the idea of growing earned media. And that's something that has become more important to people, even though the stereotype was, you know, that was just something that had to do with politics or that was something that that was in a specific context. People are recognizing that it's more and more important for every company to be thinking about. So can you talk about what earned media is and why that is such a priority for brands? Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting given kind of my past experience because what I found to be somewhat true at Edelman and learning about earned media is it can be at times the antithesis of advertising. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is when you think of really traditional advertising, you know, there you create uh, a piece of content, let's say, and then you put paid media dollars behind that to make sure as many people see it as possible. So the idea of earned is to create something or have a message or tell a story that doesn't require paid media necessarily. I mean, there's always an intersection of the two, which we can get into, but it's more about letting a story speak for itself. And Mm -hmm. that occurs when you're telling uh, something, you have a message that people are naturally drawn to, that they want to gravitate towards um, and engage with on their own. So a lot of that comes uh, from the word earned, right? You need to have, Mm -hmm. it's not something that you can just tell someone to do or pay them to do it or to say it. Um, It's an action that you have to hope takes place. Um, And so what we mean by that is, you know, you can pitch a story to an editor in also a very traditional earned PR sense of it, but they need to be interested to actually write that story. You need to have something compelling enough to say and to offer them um, so that they want to 
you know, help to promote your message into the world and to the, their readers and their audience. Um, and same goes with, you know, anything that you see online or saw a video that's posted to social media that then goes viral. You know, everybody mm-hmm. always wants to know, how do I make something go viral? And the, the mere sense of that, or I guess the definition of that, I should say, is that it wasn't uh, done with just ad dollars. It was done because mm-hmm. people were interested. And so things just pick up uh, their own momentum when people feel that they can relate to it, that it speaks to them in a variety of different ways. Um, and so then the magic question is, how do you create something that's truly earned worthy? And, you know, that's something that I face on a day to day basis. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the work that we do for our clients when we're coming up with a campaign or an activation really runs the gamut from a very specific ask to a very uh, wide arching, you know, 360 uh, campaign activation is, uh, is this earned? Is this going to generate the kind of attention, coverage, interest, mm-hmm. Um, social impact that we want it to. So you really get to take it a step further than just what are you saying to people, but what do you want them to say back? What do you want them to think? How do you want them to engage with the brand? And how do you want people to think of your brand as an entity, like um, have a really positive brand perception? And you can only really change the way someone thinks about you by earning that, um, you know, positive opinion. So Mm -hmm. it happens in a number of different ways, but I think it is uh, a really important side of the industry to get more familiar with because it really starts from a place of um, strategy and idea ideation. Um, It's always a lot harder, uh, you know, when, for example, you're working with an advertising agency, they give you this beautiful 30 second TV spot that they've created and they say, okay, now make sure that a bunch of journalists write about it. It's always really (laughs) tough to do that when you're not involved from the start. Magically, of course, you know, we always have to then do a lot of story mining. And that's a term we use where we try to understand the intent behind the video creation. You know, is there a well-known figure that appears in the video that might be of interest? Uh, Is there something that the brand is committed to doing that's going to give back or have some kind of impact that's interesting? But, you know, if it's a 30 second ad that sells toothpaste, it's going to be really hard (laughs) to get earned meat. So it really needs to be thought about from the very start from um, kind of the full funnel approach of what are you going to do outside of just pushing a message, which is to say, Mm -hmm. you know, creating something that someone might passively see um, versus creating an experience, for example. I love that. You can't really paste it in on the end. Um, And I love that you went back to just a minute or two ago when you were talking about um, kind of earning customer trust and earning uh, a brand perception that's positive. And I think it'll be easy for a lot of our listeners to think about how you need to earn your customer trust by delivering a quality product and service. You need to earn your customer trust by um, having a good buying experience. You need to earn your customer trust by if they call you for customer service, it doesn't take an hour to connect to somebody. They get somebody (laughs) pretty quickly and it's a real person, not a robot. Um, Oh my goodness. I will have to just digression here. I called and I will, I will call them out on it because it's Verizon and they they can be awful sometimes. (laughs) I literally spent an hour on the phone where I talked to one person. They put me to another person, another person, six different people. And I finally made it to the right menu did, entered all my information, you know, to the, to the you know, told them the mm-hmm. account number and everything. And then they said, we're putting you through. And they hung up on me. Oh, my God. <laughs> that There's does not provide like that. You'll never a wonderful customers. in your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's I like, was definitely not 100% just doing that. But um, you do have to pay attention when you're going through those menus. So, yeah, it was it was an hour I, I, I missed. But um, it, and, and so I think it's very easy 
for a lot of us to think about earning those types of things, right? We think, okay, I can make sure that I provide a good experience to the buyers. I can make sure that I provide um, uh, information that people might need. I can make sure that, um, you know, I've got the appropriately sized customer service team, that people have the right information. And to translate that into a marketing perspective and earning um, marketing, earning media is, I think, a smaller journey than just the idea of earned media outside of context, because it really is just about taking that positive perception, that positive experience. It's a similar concept um, when it comes to actually creating media that is going to um, get that same level of, of interest and engagement. That's exactly right. And I think that that touches to something um, that touches on something really important within the world of earned media is that it's so much more than having a journalist write a story about you. This comes down to, you Mm -hmm. know, employee communications within companies. They need to respect Mm -hmm. and look up to leadership. So we do a lot of uh, just corporate work to help people if they might be having, you know, a a brand issue or um, I should say a company brand image issue. If there's Mm -hmm. new leadership that's come in and people are not feeling trust in, uh, in the decisions that are being made, we have to help them with understanding how their employee communications can be um, improved upon and they need to be transparent mm-hmm. and, you know, delivering the kind of information that will change people's minds and make them feel like they are valued, um, you know, at, for doing the amazing job they're doing. And then, yeah, customer service is also an amazing example of that. You know, that is a very one-on-one type of uh, interaction that the rest of the world and consumer facing might not realize unless it's you yourself having that interaction, but people (laughs) will go to brands that they know they'll get good service from um, or good customer service from, even if they're charging a little bit more. So, you know, next to price, we found that trust from whatever sense that means is the second most driving factor of why someone would make a purchase. And a lot of times that will override uh, the price factor um, yeah, whether that's your own personal experience with the brand and if you trust them to uh, respond to you and help troubleshoot and you know solve whatever problem you might have, or if you're reading an article about a brand you may have never heard about, but other people testimonials and reviews are saying, oh my God, this is amazing. This is, you know, blew my expectations out of the water. That's kind of more like word of mouth than taking other people's um, advice to help you trusting, Mm -hmm. uh, trying something new. So it kind of runs the gamut. But yeah, I think it is really important. You have to show up as a company in all of these different types of ways from what you as a CEO or an employee are bringing um, in your job day to day to help those trust you in your most immediate circle to your one-on-one customer interactions, to your much wider uh, public brand persona. All of those things kind of come back to the same um, central idea. I love that because we've all heard of companies who have this great message that they put out into the world about, you know, they care about the world and they want to change the world in all these ways. And then you hear about their just terrible culture internally. And if you can't align those in your mind. If, if one of those is opposing the other, you're wiping out any messaging that you try to provide externally. And the same thing, if your message as a company is, you know, we're all about quality and we're all about, um, you know, foundational, important things. And we've been here, you know, and you have all this message that's like integrity. And then you produce something that's not good quality. Your product is going to be conflicting with that message. And so it can't just be a marketing strategy. It really has to be a whole company strategy of this is who we are, this is um, what we believe in. And then the marketing and PR piece flows out of that as opposed to being kind of bolted on top. 
Absolutely. Yep. Could not agree more. And we've seen a lot of stats too. We do um, every year Edelman comes out Mm -hmm. with a trust barometer um, (laughs) results, which uh, this is not me plugging it, but I I am just saying it's a thing that exists in the world and it is uh, pretty impressive how they do uh, get these insights from, Mm -hmm. you know, markets all over the, the globe, but they found that, you know, advertising is really not working anymore. The truth is people are more savvy than we give them credit for. Um, Mm -hmm. So they know when they're being marketed to. So you really Mm -hmm. do need to show up as a person. Um, You know, seven in 10 people say that they avoid advertising altogether. So Mm -hmm. what does that mean for, you know, all of our businesses out there? But um, it's, it's really about getting that brand influence and how you build that. And a lot of it comes back to um, they want to see a sense of authority like an authoritative Mm -hmm. speaker um, that's telling them what they need to know and adding something, giving them some new information that they didn't know before or uh, empathy. You know, they want to understand that Mm -hmm. this is a company that treats its employees like people. And we can all find examples of, you know, what you just said, where you thought it was a great product. And then you find out there's a really, you know, toxic relationship within the sales team or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. you know, all those stories we've heard about Slack chats gone wrong and people being berated. It's terrible. It makes you never want to go back um, to being a customer again. So definitely yeah. they go viral <laughs> in the wrong way. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It, and it's interesting because that leads into what I wanted to talk about next, which is obviously, you know, that our audience is a lot of sales leaders and salespeople and um, leaders of other types in organizations. And something that I think a lot of them are starting to think about is how can I position myself and how can I help position my organization to effectively earn media? And so I think we've started to touch on that, right? Um, making sure that that your overall values that um, that you're trying to represent in the world are actually um, coming down and, and translating into the way you relate with employees and customers. But what are some other best practices that leaders can follow if they want to start to work toward earning the kind of media that they're looking for? Yeah, definitely. So when we think about that in more of the consumer facing and public um, earned uh, brand Mm -hmm. perception and things of that nature, there's a few different elements that you could approach it from, you know, uh, one would, of course, always be getting to know who your target is, who are you talking Mm -hmm. to? What do they care about? That's probably the number one Mm. most important question you should ask yourself um, from a lifestyle perspective, from any kind of perspective, not just, you know, what are their buying habits, but also what are some of their um, mindsets and how can you show up in places where you know they're going to be and where they're getting mm-hmm. their information. So, you know, we don't have to belabor the point that the earn, that the media landscape rather has just evolved so much over the past few years, but people are getting their news from places mm-hmm. that are so much uh, more innovative than ever before. It's no longer mm-hmm. just a newspaper. It's not even a magazine. It's their phone. It's social media. It's search results. It's, uh, you know, native branded content that they might not even realize is from a mm-hmm. brand, but it's giving them information. Um, it could be from influencers, you know, the people that they're following on social who are uh, recommending something to them or giving them a new piece of information they didn't know before. And behind them was a brand too. So mm-hmm. you have to think about, again, you know, is your audience the type that gets their news from influencers? Are they the mm-hmm. ones that are going to be doing their own search queries? Do they, uh, you know, trust certain news outlets and what those news outlets represent more than others? So once you get an understanding of kind of where your target fits in that landscape of where they like to get information, 
that's where you can start to show up with some really interesting stories. And ways to do that, you, you can approach that from a million different ways. You know, number one is you want to give people the news that they want to hear. So you just want to go beyond like topical interests, give them some educational content, whether it's a direct product benefit um, of your service or if it's something that you've gone out of your way to uncover for them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of surveys are done in the realm of earned media. Brands will try to do their own independent research um, to help uh, fill in a need that they see um, for their customers. So they want to say, hey, did you know, you know, here's a certain interesting stat you might be uh, interested in. And by the way, um, here's how our product can actually help you with this product, <laughs> with this problem, I should say. I know, how sneaky. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's about thinking about uh, what types of stories your audience wants to hear. And mm -hmm. going back to the trust piece, it's always really helpful to have um, some kind of third party credibility. And whether that's an expert in your field who can vouch for you, or if it's an influencer or someone who is outside of your organization who will promote um, the stories you're telling or the new, the product news you might have, that all kind of falls within earned media, even if, you know, we all know that the world of influencer marketing, there is a transaction behind the scenes, but it still um, goes back to that word of mouth idea that people are mm -hmm. still more trusting of others than they are of a direct advertisement. So mm -hmm. it's almost better to have someone else do the selling for you sometimes. Um, and that can actually be extremely effective. So that can be an expert and authority figure, you know, within your industry, within your field, um, a well-known public figure who might want to recommend um, your company or your products. All of that can be things to consider. Um, and again, what channel does that mean? Are there certain podcasts that there might be, you know, an opportunity for you to get some someone to talk about on their show? They might, you mm -hmm. know, naturally talk about your company. And then that's a great use of earned media. You know, we're not talking about the sponsored ads in between podcast segments, but to have them genuinely recommend something on a show is amazing. Uh, and then, of course, it also translates into social um, ads and blog posts. And I know... A lot of folks are huge LinkedIn users, probably everybody that listens to this podcast, but to have someone um, write you an endorsement, that's also invaluable. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to come at it, but it is about how can you get someone to trust you and if you are not necessarily the one delivering the message. Absolutely. I love that. And what you were saying um, a couple of minutes ago about you know just that idea of understanding very clearly who it is that you're targeting, and where do they spend their time, where do they get information, and who do they trust? And then just like historically, you would have put ads in those places. Now yeah. you have to figure out, you know, can I connect with the the publisher of that? Can I connect with the influencer there? Can I connect with the trusted advisors there in such a way that they will be that third party on my behalf? Um, yeah. And it's it's funny while you were t saying that it, I thought of something that happened to us and this was literally at this point probably seven years ago um, Charles gave a talk to uh, to a group because he he used to 
travel around a lot and give talks to groups. And now he just sits in his apartment and gives those same talks over the computer. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and a person who was in the audience at that group had such a powerful experience that she, um, she had a blog on the fortune website, like a number of different people have blogs. And so she wrote a blog post about what she learned during that talk and included a link to our website. And for a long time, like we would get, you know, multiple visits a day. And now at this point, it's been five to seven years ago. So it's a good long time. We still occasionally will get visitors from that link who somehow stumble on that old blog post of hers. That's amazing. And it was just through a, a great experience that she had. And she decided to share it. We didn't tell her write a blog post and put a link to us in it. But through providing that experience, um, we ended up getting benefit out of it. And so, um, you know, as, when it comes to leaders, really thinking about both, um, do I understand the audience? Do I understand what, what they care about? And then also, um, back to what we were talking about earlier, am I managing my culture internally? Am I managing um, how my team um, experiences things. You know, I'm thinking about all of the companies who, you know, had all things over social media, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And then mm -hmm. you find out that they discriminate against people of color mm -hmm. in their hiring practices and they don't treat their employees very well. And, you know, it's, it, it is all about a cohesive strategy that, um, that rings true in all different ways. Absolutely. And that's such a great example you gave about that blog post, because that's quality over quantity, right? You didn't have to um, ask a bunch of different people to write something or, you know, show a certain message to a, a high volume of people, but it was really good quality coverage, so to speak. And then that generated a lot of results for you. So when we think about earned as well, it's, it's sometimes tricky to measure the effectiveness, but there is that qualitative and quantitative uh, sides of it. So you look at a piece of coverage from, did they provide a click-through link? Did they, yeah, you know, make a positive uh, mention of your brand, your company, your service, or was it neutral or was it negative? So already I can like envision our earned media scorecard. And that sounds like it, it got a lot of high marks. <laughs> Definitely. I love that. All right. Well, I don't want to um, ignore, obviously, kind of the elephant that's in the room that's kind of across the world, which is COVID. And, and the coronavirus situation is obviously impacting us in so many different ways. It's impacting where we're spending our time. Um, potentially, it's impacting the sources of information that we're accessing. Um, you know, I don't see many subway ads anymore because I'm not riding the subway. <laughs> um, that's subway, the New York City subway, not subway, the mm -hmm. restaurant. Um, people might be watching. <laughs> watching more TV, they might be spending more time on the computer. So how has COVID changed how brands are thinking about marketing and PR, whether it's specifically within that realm of earned media or otherwise? What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing that brand action is more important than ever before. So, mm -hmm. you know, exactly what you said, having a post that is just saying, hey, we rally behind Black Lives Matter, but you uncover the next layer and either you find that there are practices going on in the company that are completely the antithesis to that, or all they're doing is paying lip service to, you know, a really important cause, but not actually doing anything about it. Both of those are really mm -hmm. fair ground to be called out. And we're seeing that a lot. And this goes back to people are more savvy than we may think, you know, the, the consumers mm -hmm. of marketing and communications are us. It's, it's just, you know, we can easily recognize a brand for being, um, you know, disingenuine as we can tell those apart who are actually uh, doing a, a greater good and a greater service. And so I think um, with earned media, with a lot of brands in general, 
it's been really important to, you know, if you are going to be trying to sell something right now, you better have a good story of how you're addressing the elephant in the room and the elephant in the world, as you just said. So um, people are finding, uh, or sorry, we have found that, um, you know, 74% of people say that a brand's impact on society is a reason why they would trust them in the first place. So if we go back to understanding that value of trust and how that kind of directly can impact uh, to sales, you know, if they do trust your company, they're more likely to buy from you than a competitor, even if they may be cheaper, whatever that may be. And so earning trust right now is about what your stance is on important societal issues and giving back uh, to those who are in need. And that starts from the inside out. So People want to know that you are being good to your employees right now, that you um, mm-hmm. are, are taking care of uh, people who may be sick, who people that, you know, increasing their sick days in general, changing some of your policies to be more flexible. All of that is so important because we're at a time, I think, where we can empathize with each other more than we ever have before. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a company you've never heard of, if you start to get a sense of what their practices are like and how they're treating their own those could be people that are just like yourself and in the same exact situation as you. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't want to give your money, which is, you know, we're probably pinching pennies now more than ever too. You don't want to um, be supporting companies that are not taking care of their own because that could just as easily, you know, be you in that place. So um, I think that it's, you know, that's probably the number one important thing uh, to look at. And then once you've, uh, you know, covered your bases and, taking care of your own house, so to speak, then it's important to look outward into society. And what is the sector that you operate out of? Are there certain things that are, you know, being hit really hard because of Mm -hmm. the virus, the pandemic right now? Um, Is there anything that you as a company could do to give back? And, you know, we all do want to think about profit at the end of the day, because a lot of businesses are struggling. But I think that it's still just as important that if you do have the means to be doing something mm-hmm. about it. And then the return, your, I hate to say return on investment, but I do think that the return to mm-hmm. you from what you see from customers will be tenfold and only that more important if you, you know, walk the walk and talk to talk. Definitely. Um, I couldn't help but think as you were talking about how it's very easy to earn negative media. And um, that's the difference, really. One of the big differences between advertising and promotion and and historical marketing, you control the message that's in your ad. You're not going to have a negative ad that you accidentally produced about yourself. Unless, I mean, (laughs) I guess if you produce an ad that's tone deaf, um, you can get some some negative attention for it. But it's still whatever it is is going to say good things about you even if that's not what people learn from it. Um, But when it comes to earned media, you could have a takedown piece. You could have, um, you know, an article, a a news story about how terribly you're treating your employees or about how, um, you know, your product is made by by children in in a third world country and, um, you know, inappropriate labor practices. And there's so many ways that um, through not living with that integrity, not thinking about who you are in your industry, who you are in the world, the impact that you're making, um, it's really easy to generate that negative earned media. And so if you want to, if you want to earn positive media, you have to be doing the positive things that will help earn it. Absolutely. Very well said. I agree. All right. Well, one question we always like to ask, um, because we know that so many of our listeners are big readers, is do you have any books that you would recommend to people? It could be either on the topics that we've been discussing or just in general that you find have been helpful to you as you've you've learned and grown. Yeah. um, You know, I've been doing so much more reading now that it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> I get fatigue from staring at my computer screen or my television screen, which are pretty much the two activities I do most during the day. But um, one that I would recommend kind of to anyone, and actually a dear uh, mentor of mine recommended it to me, is called The Antidote. And it's yeah. kind of a funny book. It's, uh, you know, happiness for those who don't like happy thinking. <laughs> and so oh. it's... <laughs> It maybe is disguised as a self-help book, but it's not really. It actually, it takes a lot of different principles about what happiness means in different cultures and different philosophies to go back to that idea um, and boils it down in a really interesting, relatable way that is uh, sort of in these bite-sized chapters, which helps me because I like to read before I go to sleep so I can read a chapter and then zonk out. But I do think it is really nice, you know, for so many reasons right now to just have a little dose of uh, reminding yourself how to stay positive in extremely tough times. And I find it to be grounding, you know, to learn about just all these different, um, you know, practices for whether it's meditation or the building blocks of Buddhism, not mm. to get too heady, but it, it is, uh, it kind of does an exploration on all sorts of different approaches to, you know, solving the happiness problem. And mm. no shock, there is no solution, but it's, um, <laughs> the author has such a good sense of humor about it and a really practical approach to explaining these ideas that can sometimes feel like you're, you know, wading through quicksand to understand at times, but um, I recommend it if anyone is looking for something um, just to help them try to improve their mood from time to time. I Definitely. Helpful. I'm glad there's not some magic bullet that I haven't heard. Otherwise I've been paying way no. too much money to my therapist. Um, so. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, that sounds like an excellent recommendation and I will be checking that out. Well, I'm sure our listeners have, have enjoyed learning so much from this conversation today and from you. If anybody's interested in learning more about you and your work, where should they go? I would say just to look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always happy to make a new connection, start a chat. Um, my you know, final LinkedIn portion of my URL is just Sophia R. Bernard. My middle name is Rose, so it's R for my middle name. Um, and that would be the best way to get in touch. Definitely. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the show. It was very fun to turn the tables today, Sophia. Likewise. Good chatting with you always. All right. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything Sophia and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 284. Be sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love to earn some media. Please recommend us to a friend and that'll help more people discover the show. And if you're not yet subscribed, make sure to do that. That'll make sure that you hear every new episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. We love, love, love feedback. Please leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you prefer to listen on. Or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!